Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you have a Bible, I want you to keep a spot in Matthew chapter 16. If you don't, we're going to have verses and on the screen, so don't worry about that. We're starting a new series. It's called Behind the Door. Now, just think about that for a second. When you get to a door, either you know it's open or it's locked. And if it's locked, you need a key, right? And keys get us through the door and experiencing and engaging and enter into whatever's behind it. Like for some of us, you know, you're going to go to work today and then, you know, people aren't going to be home. You got your key and then you get to, oh, you get to enter into your castle and comfort and hopefully some good food, right? And some relief. Imagine just checking into a hotel, right? You go into a great hotel, the registration person's like, how many keys do you want? Right, because to be at a great hotel and not to have a key is to be limited from experiencing what's behind that door. Man, you got your bags, you wanna set them down, you walk in, especially if it's kind of a nicer place, you're like, oh gosh, this is great, right? Now, transition. So when Jesus says, I have given you the keys to the kingdom, what is that? It's an invitation to get behind the door and enter into and engage and experience a whole, not just room, but a realm that opens up, right? Of full power and God's full purpose that was previously unavailable to you. Now, behind this door, like I said, it's not just any space. It is a supernatural reality. Did you hear that? It's a supernatural reality, reality which we gotta fully know and understand. More importantly, you gotta know and understand that the key receivers, all right, the men who receive the keys to the kingdom that Jesus gives us, right? Guess what Jesus expects? Jesus expects us to start opening doors that he presents to us that show us another room of the kingdom and another space of the kingdom and another part of his realm that we are supposed to engage and experience, right? So I think you got the picture of this series. Doors, what's behind the doors, keys given to open those doors. Why? To enter into and experience what's behind the door, right? Now, herein lies the great tragedy, right? Men, like you and me, right? Kingdom men, God's sons, men of God, given the keys, right, by Jesus to experience this great superhumanity, this great super adventure, this great supernatural life that God promises, but they're missing it because of one of three reasons that I can think of. Ignorance, okay, just don't know it's there, right? Unaware, don't know what God has said. Not aware that they have keys. Wow, that would be a big miss. Or B, distraction, right? They know, but they're just getting distracted by a great distractor. Or worse, it's just apathy. They know, 
It's not about distraction. Just stop caring. Now, you're part of Every Man Nation and the men's global live stream. I'm going to take option C off the table. I don't think it's apathy. I also don't think it's ignorance because for you, because you've tasted and seen God's goodness. I mean, just pause for a second. Salvation, miracles, times when you just could not explain what happened there, right? Key events lining up, little small experiences that led to this whole other thing and you could have never predicted, right? So I'm putting ignorance off the table and apathy off the table, but you know what? Distraction, amen? That's a very real thing, right? We have a war of distraction going on, um, a digital war for our time and attention, work, kids, activities, recreation, social, professional. I mean, there's all these things that are vying and fighting for our attention. And guess what? There is a great distractor that wants you into all of those things. Why? Because he wants you to blow by, keep the pedal flat, blow by these these doors that God wants to open to show you his kingdom reality in the situation or with a person or at work or whatever, and you miss them all together, right? And so to get your neurons flow in the right direction, I want to tell you a story that my friend Frank told me about him taking his son to the magic kingdom, right? So they show up at Disneyland he has the keys to enter into the Magic Kingdom, which are two very expensive tickets these days, right? So he has the keys to get through. They get through the door or the gate or the turnstile at the entrance to Disneyland, right? And they enter through the door, the gate, to get into the Magic Kingdom. And when you, here in SoCal, when you go to Disneyland, you, you enter in and they usually station like lots of characters there. So Mickey is there and Pluto is there and Donald Duck is there and some other, you know, they might have some other characters from more recent movies that are standing there. So the, so Frank and his son walk in and there's flowers and there's the train station. I mean, it's, it's a thing. And so, you know, Frank is like, wow, this is cool. He's letting his son enjoy it. And then he says, okay, let's go. And in SoCal Disneyland, you kind of go from there and it's fully like an enclosed space. Then you go under this tunnel and then you walk in and then there's Main Street. So he says to his son, Frank Jr. is like, Frank, let's go. And all of a sudden there is the nuclear temper tantrum. Okay. Like, this is so amazing. I don't want to go. You're taking me away from what's going on. And, and Frank at one point just goes, all right, that's it. I want him to explore and experience the rest of this place. So he picks up the kid. Now imagine the legs spinning, you know, arms flailing, picks up his kid. And Frank's a big dude. Like he's like 6'3 and played professional sports. And he walks Frank Jr. over to Main Street. And his son is just like apoplectic. He, he doesn't even know, can't see. He's blinded by his, his madness and sadness. He has to leave this part of the Magic Kingdom. And... Frank sets him down on Main Street and his son just goes, 
Like there's more to the kingdom than just the entry space. Now, this cycle of being in a part of, of the magic kingdom, throwing a temper tantrum, and then not wanting to leave that space, and then my friend Frank picking his son up and literally depositing him in another part of the realm, and the son going, oh, repeats itself two more times, okay? And, you know, there was some of what Frank's son could experience, but the father knows there's way more that the kingdom has to offer, so to speak, right? And it's a short bridge. I think you smell what I'm stepping in. There is all that God has for us, and there is our current one-dimensional thinking and experience. And men, worldwide, I am telling you right now that God wants you to know there is so much more. And you don't have to look far for it. It's in your everyday, it's, it's lurking just through the door, the doors of your life, at work, where you live, where you work, where you play, where you play. It's just that we have to not be distracted in the midst of the lives that we're living, certainly not ignorant that God wants us for us. And just like Frank thought, man, this will be a tragedy. There are other fathers and sons here who are experiencing all the wonderful things in the kingdom, and that's true of our heavenly father. There are sons who are completely aware and focused and having a ball. And then there's other sons who've been given keys to the kingdom, but they're living one dimensionally in one space and they're not aware that there is more, right? So in this series, we're going behind the door, all right? And here's where we're headed um, in part one. I just wanna give you a basis for the series. Let's, let's build a really good basis and foundation so that when we're moving forward, it's solid, it's linked, it makes sense, and uh, it goes from here to here, okay? Um, and so we're gonna define what the kingdom of God is. We're gonna hear Jesus talk about it today in part one. We're gonna ask some direct questions, right? That help give us that foundation. And then we're gonna look at some lies that limit or keep us either out of experiencing and engaging the kingdom of God to which we have keys, right? Or just keep us kind of in at the front door, right? Um, and then we're gonna look at some truths, right? Three truths, man, that keep us going through the door. So let's define the kingdom of God. Uh, I wanna encourage every man to click the downloadable notes button, but let's define it. The kingdom of God is the supernatural realm and reality where God's purposes, presence, and power are present, operating, and alongside the natural, material, and visible, keyword, phrase, everywhere I am. Did you get that? Right. So there's this reality alongside the natural, material, and visible reality that you're living in right now, and God has little doors throughout your everyday life 
that you can go through because you have the keys, right? I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom and you can get in to that reality, which by the way, is more real and lasts longer than your natural, material, and visible reality, right? We have a heavenly king. He presides and rules over a supernatural kingdom and realm. Listen, everywhere you are, it is. I'm gonna say that again. We have a heavenly king. He is in authority and full command of a supernatural kingdom. He rules this realm and everywhere you are, it is. And it lies right behind the everyday people, the everyday spaces, and the everyday places that you occupy. All right now, there's the definition of the kingdom. That's the reality. Let's hear Jesus talk about the reality of that kingdom. In Mark chapter one on the downloaded notes, it'll be on the screen, uh, we see this transition, okay, from John the Baptist announcing the coming of the Messiah to Jesus transitioning into bringing and making available the kingdom. All right, so we read in Mark chapter one, verses 14 and 18. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Hey, what's that? Listen up. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Quote, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him, all right? Now, I wanna follow up this vignette of the advent of Jesus talking about the kingdom of God with then his position, right? How does he factor into the kingdom of God on earth? John chapter 10, verse nine says, I am the door. If anyone enters, keywords, through me, he will be saved, and listen to this, and will go in and out and find pasture, right? So let's just make some simple observations. Let's see what, what we just read, and let's just unpack it very simply, okay? Number one, Jesus announces the presence and availability of the kingdom. He says, the kingdom of God has come. With Jesus the king comes the kingdom of God. So it's present and available. Remember that. Number two, Jesus calls men into his kingdom, all right? In this moment and from that moment forward to this day, in this moment, Jesus is calling men into his kingdom. You might be watching this and a friend of you said, hey, you gotta watch this thing for whatever reason, but you're watching it and you're wondering, okay, what? why am I watching this? Well, I'll tell you. Jesus wants a relationship with you. He wants to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven so that you can be with him forever, but also experience a supernatural abundant life. Now, it's an invitation and my prayer is that you'll accept that invitation. 
Number three, we see that Jesus casts vision for participation in his kingdom. Okay, this is going to rhyme. Don't make fun of me. It's an invitation to participation, right? He says, come, follow me, right? And I'll make you a fisher of men. So there's this, there's this invitation uh, to be with Jesus and participate. You know, he wants to bring us along into the realm that he lives in. And it's this great super story of God's works. Where? In heaven? No. It's here on earth. Because the kingdom is everywhere you are. And he's inviting them in to explore and to experience this great adventure with him. All right. And then lastly, and this is the John 10 passage, Jesus stands as the unique gatekeeper of the kingdom. Okay. And let me add, you can make a note, not just the gatekeeper of the kingdom, but of kingdom life, of kingdom living. And I, I love the picture because it's like almost like a two-stage rocket. You know, when you believe in the person and work of Jesus, right, that he's God and that he died on a cross to save you so that you can become a child of God, become a son of the king, make the kingdom of God available, forgive your sins, all these amazing benefits, right? Um, that's what happened initially. But then there's your whole life that you now live, so all these things become true of you, but then there's the rest of your life that you have to live, so these great things happen, and they're forever and guaranteed, but then there's this dynamic, like, okay, well, what do I do now? Well, guess what? Jesus says, you know, you enter through me, I'm, I'm the door, you, you get heaven, you get to participate in the realm of heaven when you enter through Christ, a relationship with him, you're saved, and then there's this picture of everyday life. That, that phrase, and we'll go in and out, it was a, a Hebrew idiom that points to our freedom to act in daily life. And it goes to you know, our, our freedom and our, our settledness and our satisfaction. We, we move and live and breathe and have our being in this, this realm not later, right now, very key. So here's Jesus, he's announcing, he's calling men into the kingdom, he's casting vision. You can participate in the kingdom that's real, right, of God, and I'm the gatekeeper, all right? So that's kind of the invitation and the starter. So time passes and they see Jesus advancing his kingdom, they, they watch him living in the kingdom of God. He's advancing the kingdom of God. He calms the storm. He delivers people from demons. He takes authority over evil. He takes a small thing and multiplies it and feeds thousands of people. And they're just like, oh my goodness. But they're getting the kingdom of God and what it's like for a man of God to live in and operate it, okay? So a lot of stuff happens, there's a lot of events. Then you have this conversation uh, between Jesus and his guys because it's coming to the point where, okay, I did it and you watched me do it and then we did it together and now there's this segue to now you're going to do it. Listen to the, these words from Jesus in Matthew 16. I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church 
and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So do you see the transition? Okay, there's Peter, and he's going to be at the center of the kingdom of God coming through the followers of Jesus. Just read Acts chapter 2, particularly in verse 14. There's Peter and the rock, and the rock is a metaphor for a foundation. And in the first century, there wasn't like, you know, a cement mixer and they pour a foundation. A foundation was hewn stones. So imagine a bunch of very large square stones that are moved in place and next to each other, right? And they're precision, they're tooled, and they, they, they're kind of placed in stacks. So, you know, there's six across, six across, six across. These are large, and that forms the foundation of the house. So there's Peter, and then there's the hewn stones that form the rock, right? And on this rock, this foundation, these hewn stones. So it's a, a picture of Peter and the 12. They're the stones, right? And then when we read the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2, we see in Acts 2.14, and Peter stood with the 11. There's the rock, right? Upon which the church now is built. That very moment with those very men, the hewn stones placed right next to each other, the 12 disciples, right? So he says, I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. And then, then comes the, the handover. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And then he says this, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There's gonna be activity because I'm gonna be in you and I'm gonna be working through you. And because you're connected to me, you're gonna call down heaven and you're going to speak words and declare things and pray, and guess what's gonna happen? If you ask for something to be contained, it'll be contained. If you ask for something to break out, it will break out because I am delegating my position to you. You have the authority of my position. I'm deputizing you. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You, these keys unlock doors to my will in your specific life and stuff is gonna break out, right? Um, so here are two personal questions. So we've got a basis, we've defined the kingdom of God, we've heard Jesus talk, now we need to ask a couple questions, right? We have, I think, our foundation for the series. Uh, and the first question is this, write this down. Have I entered the kingdom of heaven through Jesus? I don't wanna make the assumption that, that you're a Christian or that you're a follower of Jesus, or that you uh, are, have made that, have received what Jesus has offered you in terms of salvation and forever in heaven and forgiveness of sins and purpose. Don't wanna make that assumption. Some of you are watching and listening um, to the podcast and you're like, you know what? I have not. Um, entered the kingdom of heaven through Jesus. Meaning, I just haven't said yes to what he's offered. 
So I wanna pause in this moment at the beginning of the series, because I think it's important that, that everybody in the Everyman live stream community just, why don't we just pray with those guys who are out there right now, if just wherever you are, whenever you're listening to this, let's just, uh, everybody, that's, that's tens of thousands of guys, by the way, so we're all joining you who, you just need to make that decision to begin a relationship with Jesus and then to enter in, be handed the keys to them, this, this whole new life. Uh, but you have to, to have to now say in your mind uh, some things to Jesus personally through prayer. So let's, let's do that right now. If that's you right now, just in your mind and in your heart with your whole person, just talk to Jesus, and you might want to say something like this. Jesus, thank you for the invitation to relationship. And thank you, Jesus, that you made this relationship possible by taking the punishment that I deserved. You took the punishment for all my mistakes and all my failures and all my rebellion and all the times that I missed out on doing the right thing. You took the punishment for all that and I just receive what you did for me. I receive that forgiveness that comes through that blood you shed, that payment that was made in blood. And I receive you as God and I receive the payment you made for me and now I invite you into my life so that I can enter in to your life. I'm coming to you, you're the door. And I choose right now through faith to enter the door of the kingdom of heaven through you now and forever. Thank you for saving me and now help me to live my life with you in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. So I just wanna congratulate along with everybody, the hundreds of guys that I know just prayed that prayer. And then I want to encourage those, those guys that just prayed that prayer to share this um, session with a friend. Because the most important thing that you, a man can ever do is to know his maker through Jesus and then live the life that his maker intended him to live on earth through Jesus. Okay, so that's our first question. Hopefully you've answered that question. And then now let's move to the next question. Since we're all in now, am I actively engaged in God's kingdom intentions? Okay. Are you engaged or are you distracted? Are you blowing by them? Now, if we're all honest, we all blow by them. You know, we, we go through stuff. We all have smartphones. We all get distracted. We all watch too many reels. Not all of us, but many of you. Um, like me, you know, you can just get stuck and you get sucked down the, the sinkhole. That's not God's plan. All right. I'm not saying you don't use your phone. I'm just saying there is a distractor and his intention is for you to be distracted and diverted away from going behind the door in all these spaces of your life and experiencing this great super adventure. He wants you out of there, because guess what? He loses if you get behind that door. But you got the keys in your pocket of faith, 
and you can use them, okay? So now, let's look, let's finish up. Let's look at the lies that keep us living, and I say one-dimensionally on the notes, right? That means we're like Frank's son, you know, living in the one dimension of the entry of the kingdom versus getting through there and going, oh, right? Because we're, we're going behind the door. But here are the lies, right, that the liar and distractor wants us to believe, right? And here's the first lie. God's not at work here. Right? Now, sometimes we project our experience on earth with God's, which is foolish um, and doesn't make any sense whatsoever because we're on earth, God's in heaven, God sees the past, he sees the present, he sees the future, he is outside of space and time, and sometimes what we do is we think that in his person, he's like us, right? We look at certain places, we look at certain people, we look at certain institutions, and you know what you do? You write them off. Like, God can't be at work here, all right? Does he, doesn't he know like this happened and you know, God can't work in that darkness, God can't work in that that negative person's heart. God can't work in this impossible situation. And when you study the life of Jesus, you get the exact opposite message. This is impossible with man, but with God, come on, all things are possible. Why? Because he's not us. He's not limited like we are. And so we have to let God be God, right? Now, I want you to see the hindsight of a man, man, if there was anybody who could say, God's not at work here, it was Joseph, okay? Uh, when you get a chance, read Joseph's story, starting in Genesis chapter 39, and you're just gonna, you're gonna read that and get through like Genesis 42, so it's just a few chapters, and you're gonna go, Lord, I'm glad I wasn't that guy, right? He gets kidnapped by his brothers and his family because he's the golden child and his dad loves him. They sell him into slavery in Egypt. He is imprisoned for 13 years. He gets out. He goes to work for an Egyptian general in his house. The general's wife hits on him. He gets in trouble for that. And then, you know, this God at every juncture, God is working in his life. And if there was anybody in the world that had a cause to say, oh man, God's not at work here. How can God be at work in a kidnapping? How can God be at work in prison day after day, year after year for 13 years? How can God be at work in this situation where I get accused of coming on to a woman where she came on to me and I had to run out of the house uh, in my birthday suit because she ripped off my cloak. How can God, you know, I mean, on and on and on. Now listen to the hindsight after having experienced all that, all those people, all those places, all those injustices, he still believes and goes behind the door, rises to the number two position in all of Egypt under Pharaoh. And the brothers that 
kidnapped him, put him into slavery, and put him into that whole dark journey and confusing and disorienting time are in front of him begging for food because there's a famine. And he reveals, they don't know that that's their, their little brother because so much time has passed. Listen to what he says. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What an amazing statement. Guess what? You might be like Joseph. Maybe you're living in the midst of an injustice or a dark, dark time. Maybe people have hurt you. Maybe you have cancer. Maybe you have, I mean, God in the Bible says, you know, until he redeems earth and you're with him, it's going to be hard down here. I'm, I'm thankful that he's honest. But when unplanned and unwelcome things happen to us, like in the life of Joseph and like in the life of every God's man watching me right now or listening to me, um, we, we have to remember that it's a lie that limits. When we say and agree with the great liar and distractor, God can't be at work in this. No, that's not true. I love listening to the man after God's own heart, David, live in the tension of being on earth, but fully, fully believing that God's at work, right? He says in Psalm 42, when my soul is in the dumps, I rehearse everything I know of you. From Jordan depths to Hermon Heights, lows and highs, including Mount Mizar, chaos calls to chaos to the tune of whitewater rapids, your breaking surf, your thundering breakers, crash and crush me. Then God promises to love me all day, sing songs all through the night. My life is God's prayer. Wow. Boy, you talk about flipping the narrative, right? If you're not in God, I get it. But if you are in God, and that's my assumption for you now, is that you're in God. Guess what? You can be in the midst of unplanned and unwelcome darknesses and injustices and pains and health problems and financial problems and all of that. But guess what? God promises to love you all day, right? And God's singing over you. He's got a plan for all that. And that, that means that we go through the door, right? Through faith, right? In our relationship with Jesus. So don't believe that lie that God can't work here. There are some of you listening to my voice right now, and that's what you said to yourself. Well, we're going to have a prayer time at the end of this session. You're going to reject that lie, right? The second lie that keeps us living one-dimensionally versus behind the door exploring and experiencing God's kingdom is this. God's not at work all the time. So the first lie is space and location and circumstance. I couldn't be in that, right? But this is about his capacity and ability and availability, right? There's God can't work in that. And then there's God's not at work all the time. And again, it's a projection of how we look at man, right? Or how we look at ourselves, right? I'm not at work all the time. I'm going to leave here and I'm going to go home at some point today, right? Um, 
and then I stop working, I sleep, and you know, I, I have food, and that's not God. God is not man, okay? And when we're in the midst of life, um, we can feel or project onto God that he's like us and, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't want to, he, he, he doesn't, he's not available for that or he's not available all the time because I'm not available all the time. But I'm here to tell you, man of God, God's available to you all the time. Listen to Psalm 121 in your notes. Uh, the, the psalmist writes, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Okay, what's, what is the psalmist saying? All right, couple things. When he says, my eyes look to the mountains, those are his challenges. It's a picture of a person, literally, this is what the Jews did during the writings of this time. They would walk from Jericho to Zion for worship. It's a long journey, 17, 17 miles, uh, 3,600 feet of elevation and descent, and it's, it's hard, okay? So what's the psalmist saying, All right? There's, oh, whoo, that is gonna be a haul, right? My eyes look to the mountains, I'm in the Jericho Valley, I'm looking up 17 miles, I'm by foot, gotta walk that. I need some help. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then it goes into this, God's awake, God's alert, God's watching, God's caring. He's ready for the, the smallest footstep in that 17 mile journey that has 3,600 feet of elevation, all right? Whether or not the walker is alert or aware, right? God's there, God's watching, God wants to help. And so this, this lie that God somehow like, oh, well, getting tired, gotta go to bed, or that, that's not God, God is not man. No, God is eternally awake. He's alert. He doesn't need a cup of coffee. He doesn't need a triple espresso. He's watching, he's caring, he's ready. He's watching the smallest steps that you take and he's wondering if you're gonna believe that lie, like, man, I wonder if he knows that I'm watching, I'm alert, I'm awake, and I'm ready to help. Doesn't that convict you? Convicts me. And see, this is where, if you're not God's man, Okay, you're not responsible to think like that. If you are God's man and you're a son of God and a man of God or a child of God, maybe you just prayed. Here's what you need to know. God's at work 24 seven, 365 forever, okay, forever. That kind of changes things, doesn't it, right? When you go into situations, when stuff happens where there's a stimulus like that could get you to act a certain way, when there's an obstacle, when there's a mountain. Okay, God said, where does my help come from? That's why it's in the Bible. God wants to know that our help comes from the Lord. And you know what I encourage you to do? Put your name in place of Israel and then reread it, okay? He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Bob, he who watches over Mark, he who watches over Zach, 
he who watches over Jason, he who watches over Anthony, he who watches over Jay, and on and on and on. Put your name in there and then reread the verse and then thank God. God, thank you. I'm not gonna believe that lie anymore, all right? That limits me from experiencing the kingdom. You're awake, you're alert, you're watching, you're caring, you're ready to help me in the smallest space, all right? There's a third lie and it's this, right? God doesn't want to use me. Really, who said that? Not God. Listen to what the Bible says. Listen to God, what God says, right? 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 7. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light to shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure, all right, that light and that glory, in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So Coach Paul, the apostle, is painting a picture for believers who said, you know that God at creation who said, let there be light? Guess what? He's got a work that he started in your life through you starting a relationship with Jesus, all right? And the container of this great light and this great glory is your human body, all right? The jar of clay. Now, when Coach Paul the Apostle says, we have this treasure, okay? The kingdom of God, the king, access, all that, all the light and glory of God that's planted in us, right? He calls it a jar of clay. So that's, you know, think about something that's a common item that's in every home, okay? Um, that everybody use a bowl. Think of like a mixing bowl, all right, that you put stuff in so that you can, you know, make dinner. That's what we're talking about here. A jar of clay was in every home, but here's the thing about jars of clay then, not durable, um, not metal, not glass, uh, you know, not strong. Um, the picture is, is wow, this is a really weak, vulnerable piece of stuff. Millions of them are rare, break them all the time, right? Now, why on earth would God choose to put his light and his glory inside, and his kingdom inside of you and me through Jesus in, an, in, in like an everyday dish versus like, fine china. Why, why do that? Here's why. So people would know that what's happening through you is not about you, but it's about who is inside of you and what is inside of you. God, right? And then what happens is when people go, Wow, I know that jar of clay couldn't accomplish all that. Well, what did? God in your life. God in you and God working through you. So don't believe that lie that God doesn't want to use you. So there's lie number one, lie number two, lie number three. Last lie is, is, is the biggie. God doesn't care. Okay? How many times have you heard, well, if God was so loving... 
you know, why does he let this happen and that happen and this happen? And nine times out of 10, they're blaming um, God for decisions that people make, or they're blaming an unredeemed earth and a broken planet filled with broken people because of man's broken decision back in the garden, you know? Um, and it's like, well, if God was so loving, and then they basically, they use that to, I mean, I'm sure you've heard it, right? And then there's people who are like, you know, God's got bigger things on his plate. You know, God, why would God care about me? I mean, he's running the universe. You know, he's got all the ecosystems that run earth. He's got, you know, 8 billion people on a planet, you know, and why would he? I get that. And so does the man after God's own heart. I mean, the reality that God can be personal, attentive, caring, awake, and alert blows the man after God's own heart's mind, and it should blow your mind, okay? Listen to what David says. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings? that you care for them. You see, again, within the lie is a projection, you know, this lie that, you know, why would God care about that? Because man thinks, well, people of high position or high power, those people don't, they're removed and distant from people of low position and low power. So what, what David is trying to process and take from his head to his heart is that God is not like man. And oh my God, you, you, you care for me. And that should blow your mind. And you know, that should keep you in the game. And Jesus said, God loves you. In fact, in John chapter three, verse 16, most famous verse in the Bible, right? We read this, God so loved the world. So in contrast to David's projection, and maybe your projection, like, how can an infinite, omnipotent, all-wise God care about me, my life, my relationships, my spaces, my places, my circumstances? It's because he's God. And at the heart of God is the love of God. Did you hear that? Some of you really need to hear that. At the heart of God is the love of God. And sometimes we question that because we're, we're suffering. And if Jesus didn't suffer and if God's love wasn't present in that, saving me and you at the cross, I'd question it too. But you know what? If God can redeem that suffering through his love so that we can have a relationship with him, he can do it in your circumstance too. In 2 Peter, it says this, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Okay, what does that mean? Not only is he loving, but he's concerned about everyone praying that prayer that we prayed earlier in this session so that they can become a child of God, experience the ruling realm, of the king and the king of heaven 
and the kingdom of God and enjoy and experience and enter through the door and go in and out and have the abundant life. Wow. Okay, so don't believe those lies that God is not at work you know, all the time. God is not at work here, that God doesn't want to use me, and above all, that God doesn't care. You want to know how we know he cares? He sent Jesus for you to die a horrible death. He so loved the world and so wanted this relationship with you that he gave his only son. Wow. Okay. So don't believe the lies. Now let's, let's go to the other side. Let's look at the truths that keep me going through the door, okay? There's lies that limit and there's truths that just keep us on track, all right? Here's the first truth. The kingdom comes through me to shift environments I occupy, okay? I'm gonna say it again. The kingdom comes through me to shift, change, morph, transform environments I uniquely occupy, okay? Every man listening to me on podcast or on the global live stream has a context, okay? I want you to get that. What's my context? It's the spaces and places I uniquely occupy as a man, all right? Where I live, where I work, where I pray, where I play, the coffee shop I go to, the rest dance I inhabit, the waitresses I see, the bank tellers, I, I a retail clerk that I'm encountering, a friend, a trip to a ball game. You have your context. And in that context, these environments that you, you find yourself, man of God, God is at work. Everywhere you are, the kingdom is. How close, Kenny? Right here. Closer than your nose, <laughs> okay? the atmosphere that I'm in. God's right here, God's at work. Where you are, God's at work, all around you. Above you, beneath you, before you, behind you. He's all around you, okay? Let that sink in. And God, if that's true, and we know that's reality, and the kingdom of God is a reality, that means the kingdom of God is right behind the door. Listen to what Jesus says, and let now, after learning what we've learned, could you just say, Jesus, speak to me right now. I wanna hear your word. Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know, God has deputized us um, with his authority to walk in his name into our contexts, the spaces and places that we alone occupy and I think to myself, what a smart way to reach into every space in every country, in every community, in every workplace, in every house, in every relationship to 
fill believers with the power of the kingdom of God, and then they get to go into all these little billions and billions and billions and trillions of spaces every day. There's 2.8 billion believers. And they can shift any space they occupy away from the detractor and the liar and the murderer's agenda over to God's purposes being fulfilled in people, in circumstances, in bodies, in workplaces, in deals, in conflicts, in the affairs of individuals, in the affairs of countries. And wow, where are you today? Where are you? God wants you to know that the kingdom, his kingdom, that supernatural realm where Jesus is the ruler, can be called down on earth as it is in heaven, and you can shift that environment. I want that to go through your brain right now. Wherever you are, you can shift that environment. You can pray for that bank teller that you're making a deposit with right now, and you can shift that environment, right? You can pray for someone. You can step into a need in that space. You can give a word of encouragement in Jesus' name, all right? You can make yourself the solution in that space. And that's the kingdom of God, right? Why? Because the kingdom comes through you to shift environments that you occupy. Powerful truth. Second truth, right, that's gonna keep us out of the lie is this, the kingdom is at work in all spaces and places I occupy, right? Look at what Jesus says in Luke 17, right? So the kingdom comes through you, and God is already ahead of you, getting it ready for you to step into, all right? Look at this little vignette in Luke 17. It says this, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. So that's it's the when question. He answered them, all right? Uh, read this with me if you're watching. From your notes, there's some power in that. Ready? The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. <laughs> now, that's the Son of God speaking the truth of God. So, there's man in his one-dimensional thinking. It's like, okay, is it showing up like a concert event and then I got a ticket and then I go, right? No, it's fluid, it's dynamic, it's everywhere, it's all at once. It surrounds you, behind you, before you, above you, beneath you. God's kingdom reality is right alongside the natural, the material, the visible. It's laying right below the surface, right there. And the man of God has the key to unlock the door and get behind the door and experience what's, what's going on. If you haven't read... The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. Put that on your, your, your read list. Because it's all about a group of kids who discover a parallel reality. And it's, 
It's an illustration through C.S. Lewis, his wonderful, beautiful, creative storytelling mind of the kingdom of God that is a reality that is an adventure that is among us. And there are these little portals. There's these little doors and they have, they have the key. They have, they have been shown how to live in Narnia. And in Narnia, they're consequential. They're important. They're known. There's a king, Aslan, and he's on the move, and there's, there's battles and, and things going on, and, and they're critical to what's going on. Chronicles of Narnia, right? But, you know, um, we, we want God to move in a, like, you know, I got to buy a ticket, and is it there, and then can I go inside that, and it, that's, that, that's too simplistic. God, who's infinite and creative and able and sovereign and wise and loving, man, he creates like, God, he creates like for you in your life, he's got it laid in. So not only does God come through you to shift environments and, and that's your own awareness, but guess what? You're entering into an environment and a space that he's created custom for you to just take that key and open the kingdom door and walk through it. All right, here's the third truth that helps us stay in the kingdom, all right? And it's this, my kingdom identity carries authority and a responsibility. So it's one thing to know that this is available to me, and then it's a whole different thing of that knowledge moving from here to here, from head to heart, and going and internalizing, I have authority to shift the environments I occupy because I've been deputized by the kingdom of heaven and by the king of heaven. It's not my authority, it's their authority, but I'm empowered and that authority has been delegated to me to move in this space, much like a traffic cop has been delegated the authority by the city to stick up their hand and stop traffic and wave other traffic through. Just think of it that way. So you have authority, but you also have a responsibility, right? If you're a son of the king and you're operating in the kingdom realm, then you should be about kingdom activity, okay, man of God? And again, as we've learned, behind you, it's before you, it's above you, it's, okay? It's all around you, but it hinges on your awareness of that, your belief in that, and then your willingness to take out that kingdom key and unlock that door behind a conversation, behind a situation, behind where you find yourself right now. Will you do that? Okay, that's your responsibility, right? Identity, authority. I'm a man of God. I'm a son of the king. I live in his realm. I have keys. I open the door. And when I open the door in faith and I'm stepping through in my identity to advance the kingdom of God, I need to know I have authority. It's not mine, it's his. And I have a responsibility 
to shift that environment should God call me to do that. Now, I don't want you to miss that. But let's listen to Jesus talk about that. Matthew 28, 18 and 19 says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority, there it is, in heaven and on earth, it's a whole enchilada, has been given to me, therefore, go. Okay, now, I just wanted you to hear that because I wanted you to see authority and responsibility. So there's the king of heaven, there's the sons of the king, the sons of the king have the keys to this supernatural realm and rule, and it's active, fluid, dynamic, and it's God's agenda, presence, and power going forward. It's happening all around us, and he wants you to know you're deputized. Don't question it. I'm pinning a badge on you. You're not gonna get it perfect every time. You might even fumble, but don't worry, all right? I've already prepared some other things and I've worked in that person's heart. Or I've worked in this situation. There's a whole, I've, got, I've, I've advanced you, gone ahead of you. You just gotta do your part, okay? Use your key, unlock the door, get in there, all right? And I think that's the prophetic word for session one. If the 900 million men on this planet who have the keys to the kingdom would get in there, into the, the spaces and places that are right next to them, in families, in communities, in workplaces, in conflicts, and get in there. I mean, miracles would break out, signs and wonders. And that's where I believe we are on planet Earth. I believe that, that the sleeping giant is the 900 million men. They're, they're gonna get active. That's why I'm doing this series. God's got a word for us, man. Get in there. Now, it's the kingdom now. What is it calling for? It's not later, it's now. God's kingdom isn't, uh, isn't waiting like, they're not waiting to flip on the switch and go, surprise! No, it's eternal. It's, it was before you were born, it's while you're alive, it's gonna go on forever, his kingdom is going out, his purposes are being accomplished. What does it require though from you in this space between now, right now the second, and when you enter into it eternally, all right? right? The kingdom right now calls for your, number one, your active presence, okay? Your active presence. What does that mean? That means not, not only is God alert, but you're alert. Not only is God awake, but you're awake to your identity, to your authority that you have, to the reality of the kingdom all around you, and to your responsibility. To, to get, to engage, you're ready to engage. It's like, you know, in sports, they call it the ready position, right? All sports, all movement starts it here, okay? Right, it's all starting right in here. That's why we work on our core so much. You know what the core of a kingdom man who's advancing the kingdom of God is? It's that, it's that ready position. It's like, Lord, I know I'm just going into the bank to make a deposit, but you know, there's a human being on the other side of that. I'm gonna get to know him. I'm gonna ask him how his day's going, kind of develop a relationship, you know. See what I'm saying? Every space, every place you occupy. Now sometimes, uh, you know, the bathroom. <laughs> That's only one thing can happen there, right? But so many spaces where lots of things can happen, right? So it gotta be ready, alert, God's kingdom calls for our active presence. Second, God's kingdom calls for active prayer, okay? 
it's just comms, right? When you're in a realm where there's activity and God's at work and you're in it, you're in his work, you got to be talking to command and control. Like, hey, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm going into this situation. Lord, I give me wisdom. Give me power. Give me insight. Then when you're in it, Lord, give me faith to believe. Lord, work on this person's heart. Lord, open a door for me. You know, and use that kingdom, that prayer. You know, if you've been given keys, prayer is like the turning of the key, right? So I have a key, I stick it in the lock, or I have to place that that key card on the, and that's what shows me the, the green light and it transit. Prayer, so I'm, I'm present, I'm praying. And then third, my active participation, all right? God's got a word for all of us on this whole topic, right? Of behind the door, and here it is. You're it! <laughs> don't look to the left, don't look to the right, don't say that's for the professionals, that's for my pastor, that's for um, you know the guy that went to seminary, that's it. The, no, in your unique footprint on earth, the spaces and places that you occupy, where you work, where you live, where you pray, where you play, where you socialize, you're it. So that's session one of this series, and I'm gonna encourage you to do one thing. Normally I don't say, oh, share this, you know, right? This is what people say at the end. But you know what, on this one, every man of God that you know, I want you to share this. You know, just, just grab it and share it, okay? We made it easy here at Every Man Ministries on our platform for you to share stuff, all right? So um, share session one and say, and, and why don't you take your key and unlock the door to the kingdom in the dimension of your friendships and see what God might do if you said, Hey, text, okay? I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be present and I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna participate. I'm gonna say, hey, join me for this series. Um, here's session one, just do the bug of it. Send the link, watch this, let's do session two together. Powerful, okay? Not powerful because it's me, powerful because this is a super adventure and a super reality you want every one of your kids to explore the kingdom, amen? Let me pray. Father, we just, we just accept right now the reality that you've just laid out. We accept the reality that there is what's natural, material, and visible, and then right behind it is you and your power and your plans and your agenda. And there's a mighty war that's going on for the souls and lives of people. And you want us to get in there. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we reject both the liar and his lies. We reject the lie that you're not at work in all circumstances. We reject the lie that you're not at work 24 7 365 we reject the lie that you don't want to use us and lord we reject the lie lord with impunity that you don't care no jesus you do care otherwise why would a king 
leave perfect comfort and perfect relationship to enter into this mess if but for love. For you so loved the world that you came. Jesus, you are the door. And we choose to enter through the door and get behind it through you for salvation. And then for participation, to go in and out just like you. Thank you that you live in us. Thank you that you modeled for us how to be involved and engaged in the kingdom. And we ask you to help us live in our identity, live out our lives with your authority, and just take responsibility for this amazing, amazing privilege we have, which is called being in the kingdom of God. And all God's men said, amen. All right, share this with a friend and we'll see you for session two.